Welcome to the Creating Your Best Self podcast. We are your host, David N. Johnson. And I'm T. LaVon Lawrence. The Creating Your Best Self podcast is all about personal change. It's about creating the very best version of yourself so that you can help others achieve the same. It's about living your life with intent, gratitude, and a deep level of self-worth and happiness. Welcome, listeners. Today, we're diving into a topic we often shy away from, and that is boredom. We'll discover how it can be more than just an idle state and instead be a potential catalyst for creativity and growth. Stay tuned. Boredom. We've we've all experienced it. Those long, draggy afternoons, the, the restlessness, waiting in lines, those moments when time seems to stand still and our minds scream for stimulation. But what if I told you that these moments, rather than being wasted, hold a secret power? I remember a story of a friend, an artist. She once told me that her best ideas didn't come from hours of brainstorming, but during those idle moments when she had nothing to do. And I myself am an example of that. So I've told you before that I have a three-hour commute one way when I go from New Jersey to the office in New York City. Yep. And in the very, very beginning, I got bored a lot. So I'd fill it in with watching Netflix and I'd, I'd fill it in with maybe even reading reading something that kind of takes my mind off that boredom. But the more I leaned into it, the more I started leaning into that boredom and what is, what what is this trying to tell me and really start brainstorming things, I have learned that those moments is when I came up with my best ideas. Those are the moments that the stillness whisper to me. So today, T. Levon and I are going to walk you through how you can harness that power for yourself because it really is powerful. First though, T, I think that we should start off with a few misconceptions about boredom. Go which, on ahead and start. Yeah, right. I think it's important. So number one, well, number one is that boredom is a sign of laziness, right? We've heard this before. So many people confuse boredom with laziness, but they really, they aren't the same at all. Boredom, boredom is a state of mind where you know, where one is uninterested or lacks engagement in the current activity, while laziness refers to an unwillingness to act or work. Now, the difference between the two could not be more different. Very important to know the and understand the difference. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So number two is that boredom reflects lack of imagination. So this belief suggests that if you're bored, it's because you're not creative, you're not imaginative, because you can't really find anything interesting to do. So in fact, boredom can be a catalyst for creativity and imaginative thought, which we'll actually be covering this a little bit later. So, um, and, and really is the whole reason for this whole episode anyway. Um, number three is that boredom is entirely negative. While it's perceived as an uncomfortable or, or an unwanted state, boredom can have positive effects such as sparking creativity, encouraging introspection, and even motivating change. However, if all you ever did was see boredom in a negative light, then you'd never really know how it can be turned into a positive. Oh, dude, you're you're stinging me here. I'm guilty of all these so far. <laughs> well, I think we all are. Number four is only uninteresting people get bored. Right. So obviously, this is something that's very, very <laughs> widespread, right? Uh, but it, it just it just is not true. Even the most interesting and intelligent people can experience boredom. In fact, highly intelligent, highly creative individuals may be more prone to boredom as they often require more mental stimulation. So as you 
As you learn more about what boredom really is, you'll start to notice how it can be used to help spark innovative ideas. Yeah. Number five, like boredom is the result of having nothing to do. I think this is <laughs> I think this is the one that we think about the most often, right? Yeah. That's what the, the, the boring people normally like to pull that one out. <laughs> right. I have nothing to do. I'm bored. Um, it, it's something you hear your kids say more often, more often than not, it seems like. Yeah. So There's boredom, nothing to do. <laughs> exactly. There's so nothing boredom, on TV with my 50-something oh, channels. <laughs> absolutely. So boredom can occur even when there are plenty of things to do, just as you said, right? So it's not about the absence of activities but rather about the lack of interest or engagement in those activities. So have you ever, have you ever been bored while doing something that, that really should be fun? Oh right? yeah. 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 I mean like playing a video game would be an example. It just gets boring. Right. So we've yeah. all, we've all done this and, and this really is what is what we're talking about here. Um, number six, boredom is a waste of time. Now this is a very big misconception. And I think is the reason why more people don't lean into the state of mind that is boredom. Right. Is that, uh, saying that boredom is just basically unproductive downtime, that it's not filled with things that you're doing. However, periods of boredom can provide opportunities for reflection, uh, creative thinking, and of course, one of my favorites, personal growth. And number seven, all boredom is the same. So people often assume that boredom is a, a uniform experience. However, boredom varies drastically from person to person, and even from moment to moment, first that same exact individual. So different types of boredom can have different effects and requires different approaches. So boredom, all of this is just to say that boredom isn't just some idle state. There, there is something more that's kind of that's lurking beneath the surface. And this is what we're covering today. T, help us shed some light on this. I'll tell you what, hearing you talk about it, it actually makes me excited and I and I appreciate it. We often rush to label boredom as a negative experience, something we must quickly escape. But if we pause, take a step back and examine the feeling, we unveil its hidden potential. First, let's tackle creativity. We live in a world that champions stimulation, uh, where we believe that an active, engaged mind is the path to innovative thought. Yet, scientific studies suggest an intriguing contradiction. One particular captivating research study from the University of Central Lancashire revealed that the participants who engaged in a tedious task, th think like copying numbers from a phone directory, well, they showcased heightened creative powers in a following exercise compared to those who weren't subjective to the monotonous pre-task. Uh, basically, that, that means that the, the act of doing the boring task basically made them more creative. The reason? Boredom might be the key that releases our mind, enabling it to roam freely and form unconventional novel connections. Instead of a blank canvas, it's more like letting a paintbrush wander around the canvas, creating unseen patterns and masterpieces. Then we shift to the realms of self-reflection and introspection. Imagine boredom as a gentle tap on the shoulder, a soft whisper encouraging us to look within. In today's age where information and, and entertainment incessantly bombards us, those moments when everything falls silent, 
when we're left alone with our thoughts, well, they become invaluable. But this solace, this stillness can be daunting and scary and intimidating for many people who don't know what to do with it. Research from stalwarts like the University of Virginia and Harvard University underscore this very fact. Numerous individuals grapple with the mere idea of solitude with their thoughts, of being alone with themselves. Yet, if we pivot our perspective slightly, this discomfort metamorphoses into an unparalleled opportunity. Boredom is not just a void. It's a unique space where we can ruminate, where we can access our experiences, and where we can recalibrate our life's compass and even set new milestones. Taking it a notch further, this quietude offers a fertile ground for mindfulness and meditation, practices rooted in ancient wisdom and yet strikingly relevant today. The benefits they usher are multifaceted, from slashing stress levels and augmenting focus to bolstering emotional well-being and enhancing self-awareness. In a nutshell, these revelations pose a serious challenge to our society's established narrative, which has, for long, paired boredom with negativity. Instead of a mundane, avoidable state, boredom emerges as a formidable ally for personal evolution, stoking the flames of creativity and facilitating profound introspection. So, as you navigate your days, if you ever find boredom knocking at your door, don't shut it out. Invite it in. Brew a cup of coffee and have a chat. You never know. It might just be the most enlightening conversation you've ever had. And I am a personal testament to this because I do it whenever I feel any form of a lack of stimulation because I know it's an illusion. Like David said, we are submersed in stimulation. So why, how could I ever lack anything interesting to do. So brew it a cup of coffee, huh? Oh yeah. I just, I'm like, yo, boredom, come here, bro. Sit down, <laughs> kick up your feet, homie. Let's have a chat. This Next thing you know, even that, that right there destroys boredom itself. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's all, it's all about inviting it in. And I don't really know how to follow up with what you just said. No, it, it, um, it, it, it's not, you, you, right. That right. If, I guarantee you not. I, I practice mindfulness just like we've, we've already talked about. Mindful, mindfulness to me is a way of life. It's just, it, there's nothing religious about it. It, it. People call it spiritual, but it's simply that I love to stay in the room with my body rather than running around in my head all the time. And all my boredom has always been contained in my head. It's a bunch of self-contradicting ideas that defy reality. And when I invite boredom in and I say, hey, let's have a chat, then I discover that it was an illusion, that boredom was just looking for me to look, to take a, to basically change my focus and to see things in a different way. Yeah. What is, what is mindfulness if not leaning in and inviting boredom in and bringing a cup of coffee? I'll tell you what, mindfulness is the end. As a matter of fact, just paying attention to your boredom will take care of the problem. Absolutely. Right. So agreed. So let's talk a little bit about boredom in the 21st century, because it looks vastly different from what it looked like in the last one. Vastly, right? <laughs> Just say I'm alive. I've been alive long enough to know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Same. So, so let's cut, let's paint a picture of our modern era a little bit here, right? So, as the clock ticks, 
as our pockets vibrate, as our screens flash, they all they all summon our attention to yet another notification, another message, another fleeting moment of digital affirmation. Yep. We are we are without a doubt in an era of unparalleled digital stimulation. But as as our fingers glide effortlessly across our screens, as we find ourselves embedded in this intricate web of instant connectivity, a peculiar sentiment emerges, a sentiment that seems at odds with our digitally rich lives, an inherent dread of boredom. Amen. So our devices, obviously our devices are sleek and efficient. And it's so funny, whenever I'm talking about this, I always think about what our teachers used to say during math when we said, can we use a calculator? And they would say, no, you're not going to have one in your pocket wherever you go. <laughs> oh, I remember those days. <laughs> yeah, right. They were wrong. Anyway, so... They would have freaked out over a cell phone. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Yes, they would. Uh, so so our devices really... They, their, their pledge is to shield us from the stillness of boredom. They offer a never-ending cascade of content, whether it's Facebook, whether it's blog posts, whether it's videos, whether whatever it happens to be. Each piece is meticulously molded to what we like, to what we're interested in. Um, and, and our past interactions. This is why if you go through something like Facebook or TikTok or YouTube or Instagram, you see the stuff that interests you the most because it's learning what you like. It's all about, yep. it's all about taking, it's all about kicking boredom out and stealing its coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it, and it's cake that you gave too. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. Come on now. You're eating boredom cake. So here's the twist. Here's the twist. Could this very, barrage of endless digital delights be nurturing our aversion to boredom. I think, I think, I think it is. So it's, it's, it's as if every it's doing worse than that, actually, like, uh, when you look in the, if, if you look it up, there's a worldwide impact to our attention spans. It's, oh, it's basically absolutely. digital tech. They call it now. The term is digital distraction. It's, it's yeah. very damaging, but like you said, but nobody ever brings up the fact that it, uh, it ruins our relationship to boredom and, and actually increases, like you said, the fear and the panic and the anxiety at being boredom, which causes us to go jump right back into the same source that's making it happen in the first place. Right. Yep. That's why and, they and have that, what, digital detox trend going on right now? Right. And we're, we're actually we're actually going to talk exactly about, about that, too. I think this subject's yeah. really important to kind of help us get into these quiet moments, right? So, yeah. So it's, it's kind of as if every quiet moment, whether it's that uh, fleeting pause in a line or, or when traffic is crawling or when there's a commercial on TV, mm -hmm. uh, those, those, those rhythmic bumps on a daily commute or just even solitude, everything, everything becomes an invitation uh -huh. to quell boredom. It's an invitation to dive into our devices, to swipe, to scroll. Uh, yep. To fend off even the faintest, faintest whisper of boredom. But in this digital dance, are we sidelining the transforming power of boredom? I, th I think that we yes, are. Yes, we are. Yeah, yeah. I, I yep. think so. We're, so. we're missing so, the opportunity. I think I agree, and I think this is the importance of this of this podcast is to listen and to think about boredom as an art form. I know that's a strange thing to kind of think about, but that's exactly what boredom is, and being able to use it in such a way that it empowers your growth, that it helps you to to grow and become more, to be more creative. So we uh -huh. are entangled in an era that champions the illusion that every microsecond is precious, that it needs to be occupied, that it needs to be valuable, right? Our modern psyche has intertwined the notion of 
ceaseless activity with personal growth, success, and achievement, you know, but maybe, just maybe we've missed a beat, I think. And you hear this all the time, especially when you listen to someone like Musk, who says work, he says work like 80 hours a week, 90 hours, whatever it is, a massive number. Mm-hmm. It's filling up those moments, those constant moments being filling up with stuff that you don't really get to the meat of who you are. So yeah. it's not that we're saying that, you know, he's, he's, addicted to to digital distraction he actually fills his time with what he loves to do uh and you need to do the same thing hit matter of fact i'd say that he's not distracted and he's not bored but he's building tools that help you to become to to have a bad relationship with boredom absolutely right so imagine imagine a river continuously surging with information uh visuals content in this deluge where is the space for our thoughts to meander, to daydream, to take a gentle stroll into the realms of introspection? The immediate pleasures our devices give us are curtailing our patience for the, the more deliberate, unhurried rewards that stem from contemplation and reflection, which is very important to our to our psyche. We need those moments, those unhurried moments um, that we can contemplate and reflect. It's important to remember, though, that growth, now, I mean true, profound growth, often sprouts in the lulls, yeah. in the hushed intervals when we are ensconced in our own thoughts. Ensconced. Mm-hmm. I like that word. Yeah. Um, so I never get a chance to use it. This popped up. So by, by perpetually plugging into our devices, we really risk casting a shadow over this potential for personal evolution. So, so here's our, here's our contemporary, contemporary conundrum here is – how do we pull away from this siren call of endless digital allure and re-embrace boredom as not just a momentary lapse, but a profound catalyst for personal growth? Well, that's the journey that we're going to embark upon together. Uh, we're going to dive deeper in the next session here, so so stay with us. So, T, let's let's dive into our first point, which is scheduled boredom. Let's dive into that concept, Dave. At first blush. It might seem a tad contradictory. Scheduled boredom. The very notion of it might raise some eyebrows. After all, why would anyone intentionally set aside time to, well, do nothing? But when we begin to unravel the idea, its brilliance becomes clear. Think of the human mind as a vast and intricate forest. Constant stimuli, the hustle and bustle of our daily lives, the endless pings and dings of our devices. These are like strong, incessant wind that rushes through the trees. It it leaves no room for a leaf to settle, for a thought to take root and to flourish. But when the wind pauses, when there's stillness, that's when the magic happens. That's when seeds fall, take root, and new growth emerges. Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Okay. <laughs> that was insanely poetic. Dave? Yes. That was insanely poetic. That was that was good. So uh, so you said when seeds fall, take root and new growth emerges. Exactly. You it, it you need that space. You know, which is one of the and I'll tell you, I will admit, I spend so much time looking at a screen because well that's where my work is that when I manage to step away even for a few minutes, it feels like my whole world is settling into something peaceful and enjoyable and something that I can immerse myself in. Because the entire time that I'm plugged into the screen, 
it's like an informational deluge. And that's why this description, this this um, illustration is so important. It's like the wind is constantly blowing through the trees so the leaf can't settle. But when it finally does, that's when the seed take root. And that's when something new happens in your mind. Something blossoms, potential and opportunity. Yeah. So scheduled boredom can be visualized as these, well, pauses, these intentional moments of calm. Uh, it's about creating and clearing in our mental forest a place devoid of distractions where our thoughts can breathe, where you can think a thought all the way through, where thoughts dance and sometimes they serenade us with insights we haven't considered before. You might liken it to the practice of meditation, a discipline that's been embraced by countless cultures for thousands of years. Now, for those who are new to meditation, those initial attempts to sit there and be quiet can be unsettling. Sitting there in stillness, trying to fend off the barrage of thoughts, well, that can feel not just challenging, but utterly foreign to people who've never faced their own thoughts and sought any type of stillness because they're so used to the noise all day long. After all, we science has shown that we have between 20 and 60,000 thoughts a day going through our brain. Yet, with time and persistence, the very act becomes a wellspring of clarity, peace, and rejuvenation. Like I said, when I step away from the computer and I can get time to just be by myself, the the peace and relaxation that floods in i i wouldn't i wouldn't change it for the world which is why i do schedule my own boredom because i that that time to just sit there has become a wonderful thing because like david said it unleashes opportunity in the mind now in much the same way scheduled boredom is an acquired taste and like i said i can't do without it it's an invitation to embrace silence and to welcome stillness. And as with any new practice, it demands patience. At first, those deliberately empty stretches of time might feel cumbersome, perhaps even wasteful. But the more we engage with this practice, the more we start to recognize its infinite value to your life. By deliberately stepping back from the digital deluge, by choosing to unplug and well, just be, we're not just indulging in a luxury. We're making a profound statement, a declaration that our minds, our creativity, and our well-being are worth the investment. By granting ourselves these moments of stillness, we're not retreating from the world. Instead, we're preparing to engage with it more deeply, more thoughtfully, and with a renewed sense of purpose and vigor. In the heart of this stillness, you might be surprised at the waves of creativity that crash upon your shores, the nuggets of insight that bubble up, and the renewed sense of direction that charts your path forward. In essence, scheduled boredom isn't about doing nothing. It's about creating the space for everything that truly matters. That's that's a really excellent point, right? In our in our hyper-connected age where every moment is filled with those notifications, with those emails and those updates, scheduling downtime becomes really crucial. 
And this leads to the idea of a digital detox, which you mentioned earlier in my promise that we were going to cover digital detox. So Dude, I, I, I've, I've been trying to digital detox for two years. It's always at the front of my mind. <laughs> oh man. I remember the first time I, I, so my wife and I years and years ago went on a cruise. This is the very first time that I did it. And this is before mm-hmm. it was really easy to be connected on a cruise, which still isn't perfect today. But uh-huh. I, rem- I remember when I first, it was a, it was a seven day cruise um, and I'm very connected for my job. This is what I do. I, I do digital marketing. And so I remember those first couple days were hell. I mean, I did, I, I did not enjoy myself. Like I couldn't feel connected. I kept feeling like maybe a client was trying to get a hold of me, that someone needed me. And I just wasn't able to stay as connected as I wanted to, even though I had Wi-Fi that was super, super slow. So your anyway, brain was missing those connections, that stimulation. It was. But then after those those first two days, it was amazing. I have, I felt so refreshed. And then it happened again. I remember it happened again. We went camping. And so um, <laughs> I was just going to ask you about camping, man. Yes. I, just, I just went a couple of weeks ago and the same thing. <laughs> Absolutely. That initial, that initial, I remember making a, making a funny, my wife take a funny picture where I woke up in the morning, I took my hair and I pulled it. So it was all sticking every, everywhere, all over the place. And, <laughs> um, you know, my beard was kind of messed up and I'm looking at it and I put the caption, you know, can't connect to the internet, but it was Thank you for bragging about the fact that you still have hair. Yeah, I am. So <laughs> all of it. Anyway, so, <laughs> so we've, we've we've all we've all felt it, right? We we all have that urge to kind of pick up our phones, uh, our tablet every few minutes. They're they're kind of reflexive, right? We really need to check social media updates. We need to check our mail. We need to stay connected constantly. In this hyper connected world, when we lose that connection, we tend to feel like we're missing out on something. So this is why it's important to have these digital detox moments. So this continuing, this continuous digital engagement, even though it, it may seem like it's enriching, rich, uh, enriching our lives, it, it often comes at a hidden cost. It, it subtly deprives us of a resource more precious than we realize. And that was what T was talking about, is creating that space for beneficial boredom. So picture this, right? Mm-hmm. Your mind is like a canvas. Uh, the constant barrage of digital information, that's the paint. Now, while a canvas smeared with colors without thought or design can indeed be beautiful in this chaos, which T mentioned earlier, there's something to be said about the deliberate mindful strokes of a painter. This is this is where the act of consciously disconnecting or the detox, the digital detox actually comes into play. So Ooh, that was deep. Holy um, smokes. Yeah. So just it, it just it's just, I, I fed off of what you said earlier. So by, by actively choosing certain times to go digital free, and you should, you should pick those times. And I definitely think that you should do it before bed, like like an hour or two before bed every I've single day. I've seen research on that. Yeah. Absolutely. I, th- I think so. Go digital free. Pick certain times of the day. You don't have to pick all days, right? But basically what we're doing is we're kind of wiping that canvas clean. We're allowing it the time to breathe. So this isn't about renouncing the digital world, right? I'm not saying that. There's there's obviously lots of benefit to it as well. Rather, I just want you to reclaim your mental space. I want you to create pockets of time that are untouched by this this digital avalanche so that you can pave so that you can pave the way to boredom to act as a catalyst, which kind of helps you to ignite those flames of creative thinking and deep introspection. Right. So you're we saying to, we have to call boredom forward in order to be able to use it. I, yes, to make it our do. Brain. 
we do because we got to reclaim no, we got to we got to reclaim our mental space. We need to quit filling it up with those with absolutely everything. And this guy's a kind of this kind of makes me start thinking about something. Is like when you're with a good friend, you mm-hmm. don't ha- or, or with your spouse, you don't have to fill every single moment with talk. There can just be those quiet moments where you're, you know, like with my wife, or I'm sitting here on the couch, and maybe we're just just t- touching each other, right? We're just I have my hand, we have our hands on her hand, or or you know, she has her leg over my leg, and we're just sitting there reading, or mm-hmm. we're sitting there just 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 you know, watching the birds. We're we're enjoying the stillness, whatever it is. We mm-hmm. don't have to fill up every 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 moment with talk. We don't have to fill up every single moment with with digital. So, and if you got good friends, it applies there too. If you've got a really good friend, you don't always have to be talking. You can actually just spend time and and just enjoy the moment together. You know, That's absolutely. Like, like when you were kids, you didn't have to say anything. You could just go walking through the forest and have an adventure, just quietly enjoying everything. You know, absolutely. Just the sound of the leaves crunching beneath your feet. Yep. So for those skeptical or apprehensive, you don't need to dive into the deep end immediately because I know it's scary. So begin with baby steps. So choose a specific window. Uh, Perhaps those moments after you first open your eyes in the morning, or like I said earlier, those hour or so before you surrender to sleep, allow those times to be your sanctuary from digital interruptions. Learn to embrace the stillness and, and feel the weight of the day's worries lift. Even if it's momentary, you'll start feeling your worries kind of lift a little bit. So over time, as you begin to uh, to savor the richness of these disconnected moments, you might find yourself yearning for more, and you will. Uh, there's 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 a lot of digital detox retreats out there too, scary as they may be. They're really beneficial, but you'll learn that this is when you can consider expanding kind of these periods. Maybe you extend it to your lunch breaks. Maybe you allow yourself to truly taste and enjoy your food. Or, yeah, yeah. or or perhaps during your evening walk, let, let the world around you come into sharper focus, unmediated by your screens. Now, in this journey, you're bound to encounter revelations uh, about yourself, about your aspirations, about the world around you. The depth of thought uh, and the surge of creativity born from these digital free intervals can be both astounding and rejuvenating. So as we navigate this vast digital oceans of the 21st century, let's not forget that we need to occasionally drop anchor to, to revel in the still waters of our own thoughts and dreams. After all, sometimes the most profound insights come not from the roar of the outside world, but from the whisper of our own inner selves. Amen to that. Digital detox, a term that's gained so much importance recently. Our devices constantly bombard us with information. Turning them off is like giving your mind a spa day. This silence, this space can be where boredom whispers its insights. Why it's so important for you to call boredom to yourself by disconnecting from the constant bombardment of information. And while we're on the subject of silence, let's talk about turning our routine tasks into opportunities. Think about it. Mundane chores like doing the dishes or mowing the lawn can become a playground for our minds. These simple activities ground us, allowing our minds to wander and to wonder. It's fascinating, isn't it? How often we overlook the simple things, the the daily tasks and chores that have become so second nature to us that they barely register on our conscious radar. But 
Today, I want us to reflect on these very routines, for hidden within them lies an unexpected gold mine for mental exploration. Consider this. Every day, we engage in activities that don't demand much cognitive effort. Tasks like washing the dishes, folding laundry, or methodically mowing the lawn. On the surface, Mm -hmm. they may seem dull, mundane even. But if you dive a little bit deeper, you'll see that they serve as perfect backdrops for the mind to break free. So T, before you continue, there's there's two places where I have learned that I think I have my best ideas. One is mowing the lawn. Right, dude. I I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, do you listen to music when you do it, or do you just go straight and let it, uh, and and just let your mind wander? I I'll, I just let my mind wander. I don't listen to music. Mm-hmm. I don't listen to anything. I just let my mind mind wander. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll listen to a podcast. Um, uh, just start it to like the first thought. I keep. I think of it like as a thing to start me thinking, and then I turn it off and just think on that moment, like a prompt. Yeah, and I find myself yeah. doing this even when I'm listening to something like Audible, which is why I prefer to read the written word instead of listening to it, especially uh-huh. when it comes to nonfiction, is because my mind will wonder about certain things. I start thinking about how it applies. And I just let it go. Um, and then I'll, I'll go, oh my gosh, I got to go back 30 minutes. I don't even know what it said anymore. The second place, the second place <laughs> is, is the toilet. Sorry, I had to say it, but you know, I used to spend my time on the toilet like reading right? Like, like us guys like to spend, you know, three hours in the bathroom. Uh-huh. Um, but joking aside, <laughs> I've gone in there and I use it as a time to think instead of even reading. Um, or again, like I did, like I do with when I'm on the lawn is I will read something uh, and then I'll ponder it. I'll just close the the screen down because I'll obviously I'll read it on my, on my phone, but I'll close the screen down and I'll just ponder those moments. So agree. So it's, like definitely- it's like you, it's like you poured a bunch of seeds into some fertile soil that's ready to go. And then you just sit back and see what's, what comes out of it. Back to those seeds again. Yes. Agreed. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, consider this every day we engage in activities that don't demand much cognitive effort. Like, wait a minute, I already did that one. Hold on a second. Okay. So I got to start with why. Hold on a second. Five seconds. Why? Because these chores anchor us to the present moment. The rhythmic swish of water while doing dishes, the repetitive motion of the lawnmower, or the tactile feel of clothes between our fingers, all of these sensory experiences can induce a kind of meditative state. Our bodies are engaged, yes, but our minds, they're given free reign. In this state, Our mind isn't bogged down by the task at hand. It has the liberty to wander, to leap from thought to thought, to reminisce about past experiences, or even conjure up scenarios and stories. It's like granting our brain an impromptu playground, a sandbox where it can mold ideas, dissect problems, or even just revel in idle musings. Moreover, these chores often serve as a buffer from digital distractions. When our hands are wet and soapy, or when they're steering a lawnmower, we're less likely to reach for our phones. And it's precisely this lack of immediate digital stimuli that creates a mental vacuum, one that our innate creativity and introspection rush in to fill the void. To add, there's also a certain sense of accomplishment that comes from completing these tasks. The dawn looks neater, clothes are tidily folded, 
Wow. I got to, I got to reread that one. Okay. On top of that, there's also a certain sense of accomplishment that comes from completing these mundane tasks. The lawn looks neater. The clothes are tidily folded. The dishes are gleaming. And this sense of achievement can further boost our mental well-being, adding a sprinkle of positivity to our introspective journey. So, next time you're elbow deep in soapy water or methodically cutting grass, let your mind roam. You might be surprised at the depth of insights, the surge of creativity, or the moments of epiphany that can emerge from these seemingly mundane tasks. Embrace the silence, the routine, and let your mind play. I, I, think, I think it's so easy to forget the simple pleasures of life when we're caught up in the hustle and bustle of our, of our daily routine. But let's dive into the essence of monotony, right? There's there's a simple rhythm to it, an understand, understated beauty that, that when acknowledged, can be deeply therapeutic. Monotonous task, you know, often labeled as boring or repetitive, like like you're talking about with dishes or, or going to the bathroom, like I mentioned, isn't that colorful, right? <laughs> they, 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 they hold within them the potential for a profound mindfulness experience. It's like, it's like they act as a soothing balm. Uh, pulling us away from the chaos of modern life and, and anchoring us in the present, suddenly folding that pile of laundry or stirring a pot of soup can become a, a grounding ritual, a, a momentary pause in our fast-paced existence. Now, can I jump in just a second there? Please, yes, go ahead. You know, I, I can't tell you how many, I've lost track of the number of uh, women I know um, who, when they're stressed out, they go and they start cleaning and doing dishes and stuff like that in order to, to get them, get their minds where they want them to be. It, it, it's it been going on for centuries. So obviously science is finally catching up with what women already knew. <laughs> that, yeah. That they're smarter than us. Now, now, <laughs> <That's>, brother, <laughs> now, now building upon that, let's, let's turn our focus outward uh, toward the world around us. Right. So the art of mindful observation is something that I have come to to absolutely cherish. It's it's the act of of truly seeing uh, both deeply and intently. It's not just about passive observation, but active engagement with our surroundings. So just think about it. When was the last time you stopped to truly, I mean, truly watch the sunset? And I don't mean just as look at it through the lens of a camera or from your phone, right? Not, not just a snap a photo of it, but when did you really, really pause to listen to the rain? To feel it exactly to feel its rhythm. Like last night, it rained really hard here, and I'm sitting in the living room, and it starts. You can hear that pat, pat, pat on the sunroof. It just starts getting louder and louder, and the rhythm starts changing a little bit. And then you look outside, and you see the lightning flash and a thunder rumble, and it's just watching, just watching it, and really starting to feel its rhythm and its cadence without thinking about how do I seek shelter, how do I get away from it, should I close the windows, but really diving into it. This is what I'm talking about. What if you truly stopped to engage with your surroundings? With the real world. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So I found that incorporating this practice in my daily life really, really is transformative. It really has transformed me. So instead of just like walking and, and letting my surroundings blur past me, I've started to engage more deeply. Uh, every petal on a flower, every chirping bird, every fluttering leaf becomes a marvel. 
This is something that I learned from my wife, something that she does very, very well. Uh, and while she does take pictures a lot, I mean, every single day at the end of the day, she'll send, she'll, especially with the office, she'll send me a bunch of these pictures. She'll say, my day. It'll be the uh-huh. picture, it'll be the picture of a bee on a flower. And she's really good because you can actually see the grains of pollen. Grains? The pollen on the legs of the bee, right? You'll see it. It is grains. Yeah, maybe. But you'll see the pollen on right. you know, on the legs of the bee. And the, the picture, the, you'll see the pictures of like groundhogs or, which by the way, she names groundhogs. They're not groundhogs, they're Henry's. But anyway, that's for another <laughs> podcast. All right. And so these pictures, you can kind of see the day and see how she has a really good eye for seeing these things, right? So mm-hmm. look, pay attention to the violent hues of the flowers, the intricate patterns on leaves, uh, the dance of shadows and light. It's as if nature is putting on a display just for me. And in those moments, the world doesn't feel so vast and it doesn't feel so so overwhelming. It feels more intimate, more connected. And that's really what spirituality is. And I got another story, T, about you. And I remember <laughs> I remember when you when you come to visit and you know we have a couple of so everyone's know we have a couple of acres. We have a big hill in our backyard. And every morning when T was visiting he would go in the backyard and just walk and look at the flowers and take pictures, giggling like a little school kid again at stuff that's going on in the backyard, just becoming more intimate with the world. And I it felt really- like a caveman rediscovering the world. I didn't. I actually didn't know New Jersey was so beautiful. You know, I know oh everyone gosh. think everyone thinks of Newark, but I live in the western part of the state. I have cows as neighbors, lots of animals. I mean, I see deers and turkey and you know, um, raccoons and groundhogs and foxes and bears on a daily basis. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> so, um, so there's really actually science behind all this, right? So by actively observing our environment, we engage different parts of our brains that lead to increased focus. And more importantly, I think reduced anxiety. So this act of, of, of grounding ourselves in our surroundings can be a potent antidote to the feelings of, of disconnect uh, and isolation that our digital lives often impose on us. So I challenge you. So next time that you find yourself outdoors or even indoors, doesn't matter. Just pause for a moment. Take a deep breath. Look around. (laughs) (laughs) Now just start observing, right? Embrace the world's rich tapestry. You'll be amazed at how such a simple act can shift your perspective, making you more present, more grateful, and deeply attuned to the magic that exists in everyday moments. That's beautifully said, David. Thank Observing you. the world, rediscovering the wonder in everyday things that can lead to profound realizations. I remember when I began practicing this, it it shifted tedious routines into insightful journeys. And I'll give you one example, and that is boredom itself. And this happened years ago once I started studying the arts of focus and concentration. I began doing mental exercises, which is one of the reasons that meditation has never been that much of a challenge to me because I accidentally started training my mind before I ever got into meditation by using meditative exercises. Um, But one of the first things I did was turn, I actually allowed myself to feel the boredom that was constantly attacking me. Cause I, I was once designated or I was once diagnosed with adult, uh, uh hyperactivity or uh, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, adult ADHD. Um, 
So boredom was my constant companion, but to me, it was an enemy that sent me off doing things unproductive and unhealthy. When I finally faced boredom and used it as a mental exercise to, to break it down and see its actual nature, I discovered that it, it's not my enemy at all. It's just, a, a, like David said, it's a whisper to you, hey, I need something more or I need you to look at whatever you're doing right now in a different way. I need you to change your attitude and your perspective. Um, once I discovered that, that it wasn't my enemy, I actually began to use boredom as my ally. Because whenever I feel any sort of discontent, I automatically take my attention and turn it within to see what's really going on. Am I truly bored? Is what I am doing bad or is it uninteresting? What I discovered most of the time is that it's not the thing itself. It's always something that's going on in my thoughts that affects it. Absolutely. Boredom isn't just about feeling idle or feeling restless. It's deeper than that. It can be an indicator of something off kilter in our lives, or, or maybe it's a sign that our brains are overstimulated. It's like, it's like, oh, a dude, stop, 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 stop. That right there. That's the one. That's the thing that's killing millions of people right now. The, the, oh, literally that's it. You just, you just hit it right on the head. Our brain, most people are, they're bored because their brains in the digital age, it's because their brains are overstimulated. Right. Wow. It's funny. You're telling me to stop. I thought I misspoke something, but you wanted no, to. No, dude, that's, that's so profound. Yeah, so like, I, I run a training group of people like mm -hmm. teaching them mental focusing. I'm going to, I'm going to bring this up as soon as I get back to the group after we're done. Right. Yeah. So let's say it's, it's, it really is just a check engine light for our minds, which guides us toward uh, introspection and self-awareness. For and a solution. That, absolutely. And on that note, I'd like to share a couple of stories from people who've tapped into the power of boredom. So there is uh, Tim T, right? I'm not going to say his last name, but he's a tech enthusiast. Um, and he really experienced a transformative moment or, or life you know, through the digital detox, right? So here's a guy, much like myself, um, who was into tech. And, um, and was always getting the new gadgets, the new phones that came out, everything, new laptop, all this stuff. He was really connected, really liked the technology. Um, and here's a person who I didn't think would be able to benefit from this, but he did, right? He found an amazing amount of introspection, uh, thoughts, and everything because he started digital detoxing and learned more about himself. Um, he says in those moments, he learned what was uh, why his marriage wasn't going so well. He really learned... Huh? Um, kind of thinking back on some of the things he found that he kind of was just using technology as a way to escape kind of the same way. Maybe an alcoholic would, would drink alcohol. And so well, he was into it. it. Yeah. He was into it so much and he learned to kind of get away from it and he lived more in the moment. Yeah, and exactly. Lisa, Lisa, she, she's a busy entrepreneur. Um, and what she found is that really, really diving into that scheduled boredom allowed her to be more creative, allowed her to see more things because she was always busy going from one project to the next, talking to one client or the next, from one pitch to the next, that she really wasn't able to stop and really think about the business as a whole. And by taking these moments to schedule boredom to really be with her thoughts, her, her business really started to boom and found the value in those moments. And so these stories remind us that embracing boredom can lead to actual, tangible, positive changes in our lives. Exactly. And you know what? The, you, you, it, it may take some courage on your part to do this. 
uh, because for a, for a lot of people, the idea of putting down the cell phone and ha- not having it within reach to instantly jump to its call is a frightening thing. There are people who, if they leave their cell phone at home, they, they can't work during the day. They, they, they'll literally call somebody, hey, I need my phone. They can't be without it. Yo, and it's not because they need to use it for work. It's because, well, suppose somebody texts me about such and such. I mean, it, it, it literally, literally people feel pain over it and they feel pain of not being able to get on the social media too. You, you got to find your courage in order to find the space you need in order to be able to, to refer to basically, like David said, clear the canvas, start using your brush like a master so that you can put strokes on the canvas yourself. Um, so it's really important. You find the courage and you'll be able to make your own masterpiece. Now, stories like these are so inspiring. It shows that mastering the art of boredom isn't just theoretical, it's practical. And remember, listeners, harnessing boredom, it's a journey, not a destination. We all have the potential to grow from our experiences with it. Well said, T. So, so listeners, what are your thoughts on boredom? How will you embrace it? So let's, let's keep this conversation alive. Let's share your stories and your insights with us at creatingyourbestselfpodcast.com, creatingyourbestselfpodcast.com. And, and stay tuned for, all, for our future episodes as we'll continue to unravel the secrets of personal development. And as always, remember, boredom isn't the enemy. It's a teacher. It is a guide. And yes, it is a friend. Embrace it, learn from it, and watch it propel you towards creativity and growth. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We appreciate your time and are eternally grateful for you spending it with us. In our next episode, we'll be talking about the hedonic treadmill and how you can create a deeper level of happiness by learning to master self. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing, sharing, favoriting, or heck, all the above. As always, keep living your best life. Keep pushing and never give up on your dreams. We'll see you in the next episode.